So grab your Bibles and turn to Matthew chapter 5, and that's where we're going to be this morning. So uh, I don't know if you're a guest with us, visitors here today. We had a lot in the first service, um, and I was talking to them. We had a lot because Vacation Bible School, a lot of parents came because they wanted to see their kids because they're cute, and, um, and they are, and they are. It was super fun. Uh, uh, kids are interesting to talk to. I think you should sit down and talk with them every once in a while and get to know what's going on. But uh, uh, so I was, I was thinking about uh, the reputation of Bear Valley Church out in our community. Most of the people uh, who brought their kids for vacation Bible school uh, live in this community or their grandparents. And uh, I was thinking about the reputation of Bear Valley Church. And you may have heard uh, things out in the community about Bear Valley Church, bad things about Bear Valley Church. And um, I was thinking about that, and I was going, I want to tell them that they're not true. But many of them are true. The bad stuff, some of the good stuff's not even true. You know what I mean? Uh, The good stuff, we're not as good as some people say we are, and we're worse than some of the people who say we're bad. Um, and, And I was thinking, that's not a very good advertisement for having people come back to the church. And, and I was thinking about the areas, you know, that some people say um, we think we're holier than thou and we're self-righteous. And we are. And we are. Um, which is really funny because on, on that hand, we're that. And then other people have heard that we're a sinful church and that uh, we sin and we um, are struggling to raise kids and hold marriages together and we argue and bicker and and that's true and that's true and and at the same time sometimes think that we're holier than thou and and we just struggle with all these things we struggle with them all the time uh we struggle being kind in the community and we struggle being kind with one another and we struggle being kind at home we just struggle and uh and so why would anyone want to come to a church like that it's real simple it's real simple. Our God does not struggle. He does not struggle. He helps us in all our struggles. He walks with us. Um, I'd love to tell you that there's a place that you can go and all your problems will go away. Um, this isn't it. This isn't it. This church is not it. I, I want to tell you, though, that God will walk with you and that God is at work in this church, not because I'm here or any of you are here, but because he loves this church. Um, he sent his son to die for it. And so um, this is why I get, I get excited to be a part of Bear Valley Church. Not that everything's going right in my life or in your life or even in this church, but because God is at work and we need him. We need him because we do struggle with so many different things. That said, we're in Matthew chapter 5. We had a great week at VBS. We have all these things to praise God for. So I wanted to talk about murder this morning, okay? Murder, uh, Matthew chapter 5. If you'd stand in honor of God's word, I'd like to read to you uh, from verse 21 down to through verse 26. It says this, You have heard it said to those of old, You shall not murder And whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. 
And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you're offering a gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you're going uh, with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. God, I ask your blessing on our time. I ask that you would break down our cold hearts, the, the barriers that stand between us and you. And I ask that your Holy Spirit would work mightily in us now. Uh, God, help us uh, to change, uh, to help us to be who you want us to be. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this passage, uh, actually just talking about we're in the book of Matthew, obviously, and we've been going through that passage by passage. And last week we talked about how Jesus came and he says, I didn't come to abolish the law. I I didn't come to to shove the word of God aside, my own word actually. I didn't come to put it aside, but to complete it or to bring it to fruition or be part of the the plan, the unfolding of the plan. And now he's going to do that with six things from the Old Testament. And he's going to go through them. And the first one is the issue of murder. And he says, you have heard it said uh, of those of old, you shall not murder. When you read that, uh, we some kids here today, and uh, I was thinking about if I would sit down with all of them, and I, I would ask them about this, what would they say? What would they say? Is it good to kill people, or is it bad to kill people? Kids get it, right? It doesn't take any sense of education or anything like that. Uh, kids would go, it's bad. Your mom will be very upset with you if you do that. You'll get in trouble with the police. And, and they'll talk about the term, they know it's wrong. And yet, in His Word, in God's Word, uh, referring back to the Old Testament, the Sixth Commandment, you shall not murder. And it seems so obvious. Why is it being stated again? And it's a repeat, actually, from the Old Testament. He says, you've heard the old message, and the old message being for God's people through Moses, you shall not murder. And as we look at that, uh, it seems so obvious to us and maybe even simplistic. He goes on to talk about that. He says, you shall not murder, and whoever does, whoever murders, will be liable to judgment, meaning that there will be a corresponding punishment for murder. And as you look to the Old Testament, it's capital punishment. It is that they would be put to death. And as we look at that, we see some of the basis for our legal system now, that the punishment fits the crime, that there's, it corresponds one to another. Some of us have a tough time with capital punishment, and yet it's obvious, even to children, uh, that it needs to happen. It needs to happen. And as we look at this this morning, we see the simple justice that's limited to murder in this passage. Someone murders, and they are punished for murdering. And 
most of us here this morning, what do you say to that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's the way it should be. Amen. You're, you're going, yeah. If, if that would happen in our country, we would, we, so many things would be solved. If we could just get back to these things. If our court system and, and our elected officials and, you know, really even the popular vote would go and say, yeah, we'd finally get back to the things that are right. In fact, some of us, even in our own goodness, we, if someone asks you if you're good, you would talk about things like this. And you say, are you good? And you'd kind of start waffling. And I want, I want you to think about it. Are you good? Are you good here this morning? Don't, don't say it out loud, okay? I don't want to know. Uh, are you good? If someone asks you, are you good? You'd say, well, uh, everyone, most of us get pretty uneasy about this because we're a mixed bag, aren't we? Uh, on my good days, I'm good. On my bad days, not so good, you know, and, and we're kind of working through that. Am I a good person? And, and, and you know what most of us would say? We would say, I've never killed anybody. <laughs> never killed anybody. And, and that's what we would point to that I'm good. Pretty low bar, by the way. You know, pretty narrow band there. Uh, I would think that if you uh, rounded up all the murderers in the world today, it wouldn't be a very big percentage, would it, would it be? And so we comfort ourselves in saying, I'm a good person because never killed anybody. In fact, our community is marked by our prison. And there are murderers over there in the prison. And we say, huh, and they should be. In fact, worse. Uh, they sh- it should correspond to the offense that they have done. And murder's bad, and so their punishment should be equally as bad in they're giving up their life. We look at that and we go, but, but I've never killed anybody. And Jesus now is going to talk about how he comes not to abolish the law. He didn't say that that was wrong. He said, but I want to further define for you, further get to the heart of the matter for you, what the law means. And so he says this, verse 22, but I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. How did we get to from murdering to just being angry? <laughs> Jesus, I thought I was with you when you were talking about murder. I, I knew that from the Old Testament. I knew that. That's obvious that murder is a big deal and that there should be a huge punishment in the giving up of life. I was with you until you went from there and just connected the two and said, if anyone's angry with his brother, liable for judgment. If you see that term liable for judgment go up, it's a similar construction, right? It talks about the same way. Murder has a corresponding judgment. So does angry. Being angry in one's heart is a similar deal. And you say, are you saying, are, are, this is what we're going to struggle with this morning. Are you saying that if I'm angry, I'm a murderer. I killed somebody. I want to be careful how I define this. To be angry with someone is not murder. You know why I know that? Because when you murder someone, someone's dead afterwards, okay? You didn't kill anybody because you were angry in your heart. What he is saying, what he's connecting with, and this is so important for us to get, 
is that we look on the out outside. You say, I, I've never killed anybody on the outside, on the outside. Jesus bypasses that. And he says, yes, that's true. But I want to talk about your heart, what's going on inside of you. What's going on inside of you? And you say, oh, I don't want to talk about what's going on inside of me. I want to tell you that I haven't killed anybody. Let's just talk about that because I passed that test. I haven't killed anybody. But once you start talking about what's going on inside of me, oh, that's none of your business. And yet it may not be any of my business, but the Lord himself, Jesus, is coming in and he's saying, I, I want to talk to you about your heart. And so he says, for those who are angry, I don't believe the word brother used in this passage is speaking of just your brother. Some of you would be off the hook as I would. I don't have any brothers. Okay, I only have a sister. Glad I didn't say sister. Um, but I don't believe even it's talking about fellow believers. I think he's talking about brother mankind. He's talking, if you have done this, if you have been about this, he says, this is for you that there's libel for judgment. You see, your sin, your, I want to say it like this and be careful. It's the thoughts of a murderer's heart. It's the sin that, because murder doesn't just come out as an action. It starts in your heart. And he says, if you're angry inside towards one, towards one of your brothers, you're, you're liable for judgment. It's similar. You say, wow, that's a big deal. It is a big deal. As we look at this, um, the passage moves on and he reiterates three ways that this comes in our heart. The first one being just being angry. And then he goes on to say, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, meaning that he would be brought before the authorities, uh, really the religious authorities, but holding penalties out there as well. And he says, uh, this idea of, of speaking, or it's the idea of verbally abusing, verbally abusing. It's talking in such a way that's ripping someone to shreds, not just necessarily by calling of names, but by saying things that are not appropriate one to another. And you look at that and you go, wow. I want to just stop here for a minute and just say where we're going with this. The book of Matthew, please listen. The book of Matthew is about kingdom a different kingdom. And it's talking not just about a different kingdom, but a different king. And this morning, as you read this and you say, hey, hey, I haven't killed anybody, but I'm guilty of all the other things. And you say, well, oh, I just struggle with life. How do I do this? How do I change? I, I want to tell you the point of this passage is simple. Is that if we don't have if we don't have the ability to change, if we don't have a, a restraint on our own heart and we struggle, guess what? We need another king. We need another king. This morning, um, everyone has a king that came in here this morning. And I, I want to make a suggestion to you this morning is that you fire the old king. You fire the old king is that you need Jesus to be your king. What these passages are doing is Jesus is calling out and he says, I want to tell you about life. 
I want to tell you about your heart. I want to tell you about the way you think, see things. And you're going, well, I already know. I, I'm smart. I've got my own way of doing things. And I want to tell you, yeah, you do. How's that going? Your own way of doing things. How's that treating you? How's that leaving you? I, I, I want to suggest something. It's leaving you empty. It's leaving you fumbling around. It's leaving you with a mess. And so I want to encourage you, fire the old king. I don't want to say hire the new king because it's not for us to go to Jesus and say, okay, uh, I'll let you. The way we come to Jesus is simple. It's like, uh, I know, you know, sometimes uh, as a young boy, you get something and you get a great idea that you're going to customize it or something like that. Uh, family member who uh, got a watch for Christmas and so he thought he'd take it apart. And you know, you know that look on their face when they take it apart and they can't get it back together? And they come with all the pieces and all the mess and the pieces broken and they go, here, here it is. That's the way we come to Jesus. But the stuff in the hand is our life. This is the mess I made. I know it's not much. and I don't know what to do. I need you to be my king. That's what we're talking about here. And I want to encourage you. Are you letting Jesus have his voice in your life? This morning, as we look at a difficult passage, are you saying, no, I don't believe that. Jesus does. He's the king. Your king. See, the one that you look to. He's the voice who you're listening for. As we come to this, uh, in the midst of this, so we have angry, we have this verbal abuse. And then lastly, in verse 22, in the middle, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Liable for hell. The word there, Gehenna, is the lake of fire. It's the, the eternal fire. It, it, eternal fire is probably the most accurate, but it was a place where they had a fire going on, burning all the time, and it was connected with the word of eternal punishment. And as we look at that, I, I want you to see that the very words that would come out of your heart that would be said uh, identifying someone as a fool or stupid or whatever, those words are worthy of hell. Eternal judgment. And as you hear that, you go, uh, I missed a step there. I was with you when you were talking about murder. And now you're just talking about a simple word. You know, I learned that little thing, you know, sticks and stones, and but words can never hurt me. And you're telling me that Jesus holds me accountable for my words in such a way that it deserves hell? And I say, yes, because those words are not just things that proceed from your mouth, but that are connected with your heart. Um, we struggle with connecting what comes out of our life to what's inside of our life. We want to say, um, oh, um, you know, I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. It came from our hearts. You know, 
Uh, we say some perverse words. We we talk about things in such a way we're rough with people. We 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 speak words that are derogatory and we tear people down. I don't know where that came from. I do. Not because I'm smart, but because God traces that back to us in our person, our heart. And so this morning, as Jesus lays out, he says, murder's worthy of judgment. So is your angry heart. So is your abusive words. So is, so is your derogatory tearing down and identifying of a person. In fact, it's worthy of hell. In all these passages that we're going to go through, Jesus leaves us crying out for him. I spoke to someone after the first service and she wanted to clarify. She was concerned and it's good. She's saying, um, so uh, can murderers go to heaven? And I said, well, what's the passage saying? She says, it says they're deserving judgment, you know. And, and I said, but who else? Oh, the, the ones that are angry in their hearts, the ones that are abusive with their words, the ones who identify, they're, they're deserving of hell. Who can go to heaven? And I said, no one based on their own righteousness. No one. You see, when it comes to our account, if you'd have four people here and you'd have a murderer and they, they would desire to go to heaven to, to escape hell and, and they'd come, but, but there's murder on their record. There's murder. So you can't go. You're deserving judgment. There, there's, you look at the angry person and he says, well, can you go to heaven? No, based upon your heart, what's going on in your heart, that's a murderous heart. You can't go. The, the one who speaks and, and, and slanders someone and, and tell, no, you're worthy, worthy of going before the judge and being the book thrown at you. And the one who says, you fool, you stupid one. Why? They're deserving of hell. And apart from, apart from Jesus, the only one righteous. I want to take us back. I, I read this last week and I, I just feel compelled to read it again. Philippians chapter 3. I love it. Because Paul talks of his own testimony. And I want to tell you, Paul was a murderer. Okay? He murdered people. Not just in his heart, in the actions as well. He did it in his heart as well. But he, he was a murderer. He thought he was good enough too. Because he thought he was justified. But in Philippians chapter 3, Jesus had done a work in Paul's heart. Uh, he thought he was great, but he wasn't. God humbled him and he came to, came to know Jesus. And then it says this uh, in chapter 3, starting in verse 9. Indeed, I count everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and being found in. Listen to this. Not having a righteousness of my own. Not being self-righteous. You know what? The self-righteous thinks that I can just be angry in my heart as long as nobody sees it. Jesus says, no. Saint is a murderous heart. He says, listen to this. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. How does anyone come to faith in Jesus Christ? 
How does anyone get into heaven? It's through trusting in Him. You can't get there any other way. We've been trying. We've been trying to be good enough. We've been trying to hop back on the wagon. We fall off. We we go, oh, I'm going to try hard. And we slip back into those own sins again. And then we're down in the depths. And then we go, oh, no, back on. I'm going to do better now. Boom, back, back and forth, back and forth. What is missing here? The power of Jesus. That's what's missing. And that's the only thing that's effective. Jesus continues on, and I want to say that the pace of the passage picks up. He says, looking down at verse 23, he says, So that you're offering a gift at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser, while you're going to him in court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard and you'd be put in prison. What's the picture there? And I want to tell you, listen, listen, please. This is super important. Um, this is a theme of, of the scriptures, relationships, relationships, not like, um, like a dumb book that some of you have, like, like you go to the you go to the bookstore and you look on books on relationships and they have all these weird little tricks. And That's not what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is this. Relationships in the scripture go like this. Our relationship with God. What's that like? What's that like? How does that work? Are we connected to God? Because if you're connected with God, you have a relationship with Him, that will impact all the relationships this way. But what he's talking about here initially and I think there's two lessons here in this next section. The first one is this. These relationships matter. You get this picture. He says, you you know, you murderous heart. You know, you you get these abused brother. And he says, if you go to worship and you can picture yourself going to worship. I'm going to go to worship today. I'm going to sing. I'm going to give. I'm going to serve. I'm going to go do. I'm going to go do. And he says, as, as you go to do, as you go to sacrifice, and he says, and you remember, I got a problem with someone. I got a problem with someone. He says, leave it there. Leave it there and go. And you get the picture. He doesn't say, well, package up your sacrifice, put it in your car, schedule a time where you can go meet with those people that are, uh, he says, no, take care of business. Hurry up about it. In fact, he uses the word quickly. He goes on and he says, quickly, why? Why? There's a sense of urgency here. You know what? Uh, where else is there urgency in the book of Matthew? We've already gone over it. What is the message of Jesus? What is the message of John the Baptist? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When should you get busy taking care of these relationship things? Now, right now. There's a sense of urgency today. You say, well, I'm really busy. It's kind of weird, you know. You're talking about all this hell stuff. And I just wanted to come to church today. (laughs) Sorry. It's the next passage. (laughs) It's the next passage. And God wanted you to hear this this morning. And so there's a sense of urgency for you to get uh, your relationships right one to another. But I want to point something out. That the same language... Um, that, look at that last verse in this passage that we were looking at. It's uh, truly, I say to you, um, 
Verse 26, Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. That is similar language to the unforgiving slave. Remember the parable? So a master, uh, it's recorded later in the book of Matthew, Matthew 18. The master forgives the servant of much, just lavishly, millions of dollars, if you will. He, he writes it off and he forgives him. And then the same guy finds a, uh, another guy that owes him a couple of bucks and he says, put him into prison, not coming out. And the master says, you know, he says, if you don't forgive, I don't forgive. He banishes him. And I want you to get this picture. Did you see the word reconcile in there? Did you see that word? That's God's word. And you know what it means? It means to fix it or to make it right. To make it right. It means to make an accounting. And I want to tell you that you have, we have problems one to another. But the greatest problem that we have here in this life is our relationship with God. It, it, it's a problem. God does not, I, I want you to hear this this morning as we've looked at these murderous thoughts. Some of us say, ah, it's no big deal. God's just going to kind of go, ah, no one's perfect. At least you didn't kill somebody, you know. He doesn't look the other way. But he's willing to forgive in Jesus. And, and the, the issue for you here this morning is this. Are you reconciled with God? Are you right with Him? And the only way to be right with Him is through His Son, Jesus Christ, what He did on the cross. Uh, it, it's the first issue. And, and when should we do this? Quickly, quickly. It's interesting. Uh, how do you um, deal with things quickly when there's an offense? Most of us don't do it quickly, by the way. We drag it out. I'm confessing to you as I say that we that's a we but it's really me okay and I'm assuming that you're like me that's what I'm assuming right now when I go to confess uh to a family member or to anyone I kind of go well uh I uh I'm kind of wrong kind of wrong kind of wrong about what well that one thing I said but you said something too that kind of led me into it and what I'm doing is I'm trying to figure out the least part of my responsibility. And you know what happens? What happens when you do that kind of thing? They come back and they say, well, you did do this. And you say, well, no, but you did this. And it, beca- it doesn't come quickly, does it? What's the quick way to do it? I was wrong. I was a mess. I was at fault. Please forgive me. That's how you come to Jesus. You don't come saying, you know, I, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of cultural impact that, you know, I, I had a lot of bad friends, you know, my parents didn't treat me right. I, you know, I quickly come to him, lay it out, say, I'm a mess. I need you. Be reconciled to God. This morning, um, my desire for you, and really it's not about me or what I want, even as the pastor, but it's God's desire for you is he wants you to be his own. He knows about your hidden murders. He knows about your wicked heart. He knows about the big sins, little sins, and all the sins in between that you have done. You're not too, you are too dirty for him, but he will clean you, even as we have sung today. He will make you part of us. He wants you to be in his kingdom. He wants to be your king.
Let's pray. God, I ask uh, that you would be at work. Um, God, we have looked at your word. God, I pray that uh, we understand where we stand before you and that for those who have trusted in you, we rejoice this morning that even though our sin is wicked and is wicked, um, as we, more wicked than we imagine, and yet there's forgiveness and we can be right with you because of what your son Jesus did on the cross. God, I also pray for those uh, who don't know you this morning who are lost in their sin. I pray that as we have talked about, that they would cry out to you and come and abandon and quickly with the mess of their life and allow you uh, to be their savior and their king. It's in your name we pray. Amen.